What's up, everybody? Are you in the market for a new steel mace? Look no further than Adex Maces and Clubs. Go to adexclub.com, place your order, and have them delivered right to your house. Adjustable steel mace made right here in the United States. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I'm Fred Moore, and today my guest is Dan Mason, who is a podcaster. He's um, a he actually is part of the USSF, which is the United States uh, Strengthlifting Fe uh, Federation, right? Yeah, yeah. I've competed lots of places. That's, okay. uh, I did their nationals last year. Okay, so you are uh, a, a competitor in powerlifting. Um, you do a podcast, like I said. People can find you on Instagram at two locations. One uh, looks like your main account is at Strongman Dan, and the yep, other one Strongman is underscore Dan. Underscore Dan, yes. And then you got Ironhide Combat, and uh, you know we uh, we're we're having you out today to talk about a bunch of things. Uh, first thing in order, we want to talk about the. The 10,000 Swing Steel Mace Challenge that's on my uh, website, steelmacenation.com. It's a free workout plan. You hit me up. You said you loved it. And I was really excited to uh, see that somebody like yourself who trains heavy, uh, you have like a 600-pound squat. Um, your your deadlift is like 671, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, okay, so you're just ripping weight all the time, and I, I see on your Instagram you got, uh, you know, you're swinging all kinds of heavy implements, uh, um, maces and clubs, so just to have you come on and talk about how the 10,000 Swing Challenge did for you, and also we're going to get into other things about, you know, what you like to do and, and how you like to train and everything like that, so welcome to the show, Dan, appreciate having you on. Right on, awesome to be here, man. Yeah, so... Um, How'd, how'd you like the 10,000 swing challenge? Um, I, so I, like you said, I train heavy. So I'm always trying to like push probably more than I could. And on your website, it said 20 pound was kind of like the, the gold standard. So I started with the 20 pound felt good. But as I started feeling good, I kept creeping up. Um, no. the last week I was using the 30 pounder and that was a bit much. My shoulders started getting a little beat up from that, but dude, uh, the main reason I got into it is, um, um, I was coming off some back injury stuff, wanted to kind of play around with something new. I have a pretty big background in kettlebells previously before strength sports. And this is just kind of a, uh, I tell people like the 360 is essentially like a kettlebell swing before your upper body. Like it does the same joint traction stuff. You work the same ballistic kind of stuff. Um, and it just looks fucking cool. So <laughs> there you go. I think that's the big thing. It looks cool. And that always it looks gets great. people in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing that you were using 30 pounds. I, I got it to like 22 pounds, 22 and a half pounds. And it was, it, it beats you up after a while. Right. In a good way though. Yeah. Well, and it's just, I mean, it's a high volume, high frequency program. So if you're doing, and I did it in the four weeks, so five days a week so i had the one day that was just swings without the accessories in it so i mean five days a week 500 swings a day is if yeah. someone's just starting out probably probably pretty aggressive yeah um, but i was I, I i had a mace first and then uh, i just couldn't quite get the hang of it like it's a little tricky right because it has like a lot longer lever on it 
Um, and then I got a couple clubs and I was like, oh, okay, it's kind of like for a 360 and like a 10 and 2, it's like a slightly less technical mace, right? Because it's shorter, so it's just a little easier to manage. So then uh, once I kind of got dialed in on the clubs, the mace started getting a little cleaner and I really wanted to kind of get a really nice clean swing. And I was like, well, shit. 10,000 swings by the end of that I'll probably look pr- like I know what I'm doing on a mace <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah you definitely get uh, ramped up there now how did you like the the rest of the program with you know the strength conditioning portions of it which were really I just basically pulled all that from you know Dan John the, stuff yeah yeah the Dan John stuff the 10,000 swing kettlebell challenge I mean it was pretty much the same thing did that um, what I was worried about was how did that all plug in together, the swings with with the, with that stuff? So I think mileage is going to vary a little bit depending on, uh, like, your maximal strength. So we talk about in uh, uh, strength sports a lot, like, a 90% or a 90% lift for someone that benches, like, 315 is going to hit your shoulder different than a 90% lift from someone benching, like, I've hit 507 in competition. So uh, the recommendation on, like, the the three, the two, and the one is basically a five-rep max um, of that lift, and then you do that for those reps. And it was pretty good for my overhead. I think I was using, for, like, strict press, I was using 225 on those. Um, but on bench, it was beating my shoulders up pretty bad, just with the additional mace stuff, too. Uh, squats, it felt good. Um, I did some deadlifts in there. I had to pull that back a little bit just as I was kind of beat up anyway. But, um, but yeah, man, percentage wise, it was pretty good. I started kind of toward the end. Um, cause another thing in the, in that was when you're doing like the dips and kind of more bodybuilder type things, the rep ranges are a little higher. Yeah. So I played with like sevens and things like that on like right. lap pull downs and stuff like that. It was, it was fun though, man. I, I dug it. It's a, uh, it's a fun way to keep hitting a lot of heavy volume and still build that conditioning side and that skill side on the mace. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And you know, um, you, well, a few people over the past two years or so have, have jumped on that program. Um, I would have to say a few people kind of didn't do it right. I, 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 I hate saying it that way. I don't want tell people how to do things, but there is a, a, a reason behind the program. If you follow what Dan John says in his program and then you think about it connected to the 10,000 swing challenge you're supposed to it's supposed to put you on the the edge right oh yeah it's not supposed to be an easy kind of thing it's a it's a trial right right yeah so I mean you went heavy and then you did all the other stuff I mean there was some people swinging a 10 pound mace and I'm like I, I mean even you know anybody can swing a 10 pound mace for 500 swings. It's which I'm not trying to knock it and everybody's at a different level, but I don't think a lot of people actually tried hard enough is my opinion. I'd like to encourage people to really push themselves with it. Yeah. You need to look at it like how it's described. It's a 10,000 swings challenge, not like a, Hey, here's your fun workout routine for the next 12 weeks. It's like a month of like throwing your head through the, through the brick wall, basically. Yeah. Um, and much more than a month, you might actually have some issues, but a month is kind of like that perfect range. And uh, and, it, and even in, if you go back and read through Dan John's stuff on T Nation about it, he kind of says it. He's like, no, it's supposed to be a challenge. It's supposed to be fucking hard. Like, yes, 50 swings or, or 50 10 and twos at the end. If you, if you paired it up and did like 10, 15, 15, 
10 each way or something like that, whatever works out to be the same numbers, that's much easier than starting with eight each way and ending with 25 each way. And that's kind of the whole damn point, right? right. Yes, right. Yeah, and that's that's I've seen two people will break up the swings differently. And again, I mean, I guess you you want to modify things. You need to modify things. I don't know your condition. I don't know what right, you got right. going on. But just don't break it up just because you'd rather do it this way than that way. You yeah, know, don't do it one way because it's easier. Yeah. Uh, um, and I mean, I did a little bit of editing as far as like the non-swing stuff, just as I was starting to feel a little beat up. But I feel like the swing part, I was like, that's the part that's holy that needs to stay right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It just it's the same thing with Dan John's uh, challenge. You know, um, he recommends uh, well a very uh, a person who's in good shape is going to use uh, like a fifty three pound kettlebell for that. Right. Which when I first did that challenge, I I did that and I couldn't complete the challenge. It after two weeks, it it it, it was too much. I had to lower the kettlebell weight. Right. Um, so obviously, you, you know, there always is. You know, th you have to adjust, but. If I lowered it all the way down to 20 pounds, that would have not been right either. So right. I only dropped like 10 pounds off of the kettlebell and continued with it. So you got to you got to know yourself and then you gotta, it was still hit challenge but you complete it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I and I and I didn't really complete the challenge quite honestly because, you know, by the end there I was I was starting to fade out. So right. now I know. Next time Next time, if I want to do that again, I wrote all my notes and everything, and that's that's the fun part about it. So now, after completing the challenge, Dan, um, did you find yourself reaching any goals that you wanted to reach? Uh, yeah, so like I said, the main goal with that challenge was just to make my mace swing not look like some dude that doesn't know what he's doing, and that 100%, probably about two weeks in, it was like butter. It was moving real smooth. Yeah. Um, so that was my main goal. Um, shoulder stability is always a big thing. So I compete strongman as well. And there's a lot of overhead work yeah. in strongman. Um, and oh my gosh, mace swings and club work. Like if you want to bulletproof your shoulders, great way to do it. Um, and in strongman, I mean, there's usually two overhead events per competition out of the five events. So like, having some stable, good shoulder endurance is huge. Um, and then just, um, I listened to one of your previous podcasts. I don't remember if it was last week um, where you were talking about just the, the prehab and the bulletproof side of the bulletproofing of the shoulder is in my mind, the biggest thing with clubs and maces. Um, like if your shoulders already hurt, probably not great to do a ton of volume on it. But when you're training heavy as like a power lifter or strength athlete in general, shoulder is one of the most common things that's going to get banged up. And if you can do something to keep you in the game longer and not have to take weeks off or have weeks where you're lifting 50% weights just to get better, then like that's going to help. All right. So what you're saying now, let, let's let's look into this. Um, from your point of view, if you're training up for an event or something, you're obviously already deep into your program um there's i'm assuming there's not really a lot of wiggle room to do other things because you need to be consistent with what you're gaining right. for but are you also saying it, it uh clubs and mace can be implemented into these programs 100 um i use it with people right now um I that you train. train 
yeah so um yeah I, i'm personal trainers my my gig i do online and i do in person i got about 20 clients between the two and uh um i have basically like if you find a dumbbell exercise that's supposed to hit the shoulders like a overhead press or like lateral raises or front raises stuff like that you can sub in like swipes with the club 360s with the mace uh pull over to press out with the mate with the club or the mace like all that shit is gonna do what a dumbbell does but it's gonna hit it more three-dimensionally which is gonna be more beneficial so um probably the minimum i'll, I'll... hey everybody if you're looking for new fitness equipment to add to what you have and you want to find something that really complements the steel mace that you're swinging already Consider going with freedomstrength.us. They have strongman sandbags, throwing sandbags, uh, all kinds of lifting gear. They have training sandbags, resistance bands, and weight vests, and they have apparel. And if you use the discount code SMN10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off. You're going to help support the podcast. And you're going to help support a good American company right in Pennsylvania, U.S. of A. So check out freedomstrength.us. Program is like every other week on at least one of the pressing upper body focused days. We'll do some kind of club or a. Uh, uh, mace work with my in-person people with my online people it's just whatever they have access to but right. um and in my own stuff i uh i have three days a week where i touch upper body at least a little bit um and i have them in two of those two of the three of those days all right so again if you're trying to compete this is some serious business here you don't want to like uh tamper or toy with your programming too much so how would you uh introduce a, a steel club or a steel mace into your into that training would it be uh like sub maximal more of like just uh w using it for warm-up and mobility or would you also try to go a little heavier and challenge yourself more H how does uh, how do you balance that so you don't so affect with, your main training yeah with my with my in-person people um i have like two people that are general health and fitness but everybody else that i have in person is actively competing in powerlifting or strongman. I have one that's doing weightlifting because that's another story from previous stage of my life. But um, but for the powerlifters and the strongman people, we we warm up with um, ten each side, pull over to press out with a club, or ten and twos or three sixties, like a couple sets just to get that upper back and shoulder girl just warm and moving and loose. Yeah. Uh, we might do some like band press downs for triceps and then we'll get into our main work. Uh, so we'll have like that warm up on like a bench press day. We'll have that warm up. We'll have our main bench press work, whatever we're doing. We'll have um, some kind of rowing movement, some kind of like dumbbell incline press, and then it gets into the more accessory movements. And that's kind of for a strength athlete where I think it fits in. So I'll typically have people doing five exercises per session in their main workouts, like a bench, some kind of back work, um, some kind of accessory pressing, like a close grip bench, incline bench, dumbbell bench, something like that. And then we'll have two accessory movements, tricep-based, shoulder-based, 
bicep base just kind of depends on what we're trying to do and you can sub that club or mace work in for any shoulder movement it's just gonna work yeah um because accessory is there to build some extra muscle tissue and uh and get some more blood flow into the area so that it heals quicker and you can get rocking sooner um and there's not much better to do for the shoulders than some kind of mace or club work Right on. And how about your clients? Do they, how do they react to it when you introduce them to that type of training? Are they so, loving it? Are they mind blown? Like how's it? At, at first, so there is like a pretty, maybe just because I'm not great at coaching it yet, but there's a pretty decent learning curve, especially yeah. on like 360s. Um, so I usually start everyone out with the clubs, like a pullover to a press out. Cause that's easy, right? right? That's basic. And then from there we'll do like some kettlebell halo work or dumbbell halo work. And then you can kind of introduce the other. So I feel like if I was just like, Hey, let's do some three sixties. That's just not going to work. Cause it takes a minute to learn it. Yeah. Um, but they've been, a lot of them have been my client for, you know, six months or more and they've already gotten a certain amount of results. They're just like, yeah, I'll just do whatever Dan tells me anyway. Uh, my in-person people, especially, because uh, they're paying good money for me. Right. Um, so they're just going to roll with whatever I tell them. Um, but yeah, they I haven't had any real issues with it. Um, one thing, okay, and this is one thing I wanted to ask you. Do you work with, uh, do you coach people yes. a whole lot? Like, okay. So do you have females that you do a lot of mace work with? Yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of older females too. Here's what I'm running into. All my females put their hair in like a like a high bun, and that they just like, yeah. What what is the solution for that? I'm like, I don't know. Put your hair down. Put your hair down. Pony. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're 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 craning their necks forward, and they're uh, going. Uh, they're not only craning their necks forward, but they're not letting their hands get far enough behind their head at the same time. They're they're, yep. they're causing two issues there. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's always an issue. And I suggest it all the time. Like just for these swings, just take that thing out of your hair. But that's, a, that's a big deal for women. Cause they bonk it. <laughs> yes. Right. It's unbelievable. So, uh, maybe they got to have the top knot, you know, like a warrior top right. knot, right? Maybe that'll work better for them. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, man. Or, or wear a baseball cap and put your hair through the, the hole, but then you got right. the bill in the front and a lot of people hit the bill in the front when they swing. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> These are the not problems. I haven't had have. any issue with my guy clients, my female clients. The only issue I've had is like their hair is in the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, you, or you tell them, listen, you want to get serious? You're going to just have to cut all your hair off. All right. Yeah, I've told them that. I was like, just shave your head. <laughs> shave it off. Right. Shanae uh... O'Connor. My Olympic lifter girl, she's a hairstylist, and she goes through a million different hairstyles. She buzzed her hair not too long ago, and I'm like, "Oh, this is perfect. Yeah, this works great now." Wow how did how did she look after that? Was it like um... not bad, man? Yeah. So she she had a uh, she had long hair, and then she had like a pretty killer mullet. Yeah, uh, and then she went buzz, and now it's kind of just like shorter shorter looking hair, but she's growing it back out again. But and she's uh, and she lifts heavy and everything. Yeah, uh, so she started lift. She was actually a roller derby girl and wanted to get into like some uh, strength and conditioning stuff. But uh, I pushed her into the Olympic lifts just because the explosiveness, right? So right. you can get real strong, real fast, and not put on a ton of muscle um, other than on her legs, which is kind of like was kind of the whole goal for her. 
Um, but then she uh, got bit by the by the weightlifting bug, and now she's she's com- uh, competing. She did a couple powerlifting meets, um, and now she's doing a uh, weightlifting meet here in January. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love yeah. that when, you know, women cut their hair like that and they're trained. It, there's, it's just Mad Max, you know? It's yeah, just it's badass. It's badass. Yeah, I love it. It's just like, you're cool. Let, let, let's party, you know? <laughs> so, Dan, I'm looking at your stats here um, for um, powerlifting. It's, it, I, I guess this is you. You came in number one in 22 uh, at uh, the – yeah, so 2020, uh, USSF, that one, uh, is their overall lifter, and then weight class, too. Um, so powerlifting's weird, man. So I'm not taking anything away from that federation. I love that federation. I love their rule set compared to other federations, but there's about 100 different powerlifting federations. Oh, um, there is. Yeah. So there's 100 different national champions, right? Okay. Uh, there's this website called openpowerlifting.org where you can actually see where you stack up with everyone yes. who powers the whole world. That's where where you came up. As I just Googled your name, and that literally came up. Okay. Yeah. Open open powerlifting. Yeah, so that's yep. everybody in the whole world. That's everybody who has ever competed in a meet. And All it right, updates so, every time there's a meet. Yeah, it um, has you as number one in 22 and number one in 21. And then number two in twenty one. So in in twenty twenty one, you competed twice. Uh, it, is that in USSF specifically? Oh yes, yes. That's, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I've com- I competed kind of in whatever federations doing things close to me and isn't annoying. Um, I did a meet in March for USPA, which is actually the biggest one here in the US, uh, just to qualify to go to IPL Worlds. Um, which is one of the bigger world's competitions. And that would have been the last weekend, but I, uh, I had like a back injury and it took about, took about 150 pounds off my deadlift and about hundred pounds off my squat. So I'm nursing that right now. So my training doesn't look nearly as cool anymore. Yeah. See, this is the, <laughs> the thing that um, you, I don't know if they talk about this stuff a lot. Like we always uh, look at our, our competitors as like these, these, uh, they, I mean, you are super people. I shouldn't, I don't want to take away from that, but you're humans though, too. Right. And the training up to an event, just after I've seen it personally with some people I know, is m- blows my mind. It blows my mind the discipline and how sometimes everything is teetering on the line just a little bit. And some of you guys, are going into these competitions with some kind of injury and you're just working around it, but it's, it takes balls, man. Right. You guys are like right at the edge of this injury. You're still performing and you're aiming the win. And it's like, Oh my God, this could go the other way. So easily. How does it take courage? Does it take craziness? Does it take insanity? What is it? It's just a little bit of that. Like, competitive asshole mentality okay um have you always been a competitive person since you were a kid oh my gosh that's the hardest thing right now is figuring out what i want to compete in because like i need to take some time off of like heavy stuff just to heal up so i'm like getting back into martial arts stuff like i started doing muay thai classes again i'm like i could do that you know yeah but that's shit i haven't done that like 12 years probably okay Um, yeah but that's that's even 
like you know i know people who do jujitsu and stuff and they started at like age 50 right and i'm and i look at these people i'm like man there's either you're either awesome or you're nuts i can't tell the difference dude so i've always been the kind of person where if i don't have a thing to train for it is really hard to be dedicated enough to like go and do what i need to do consistently if i don't have a meet i'm prepping for i i probably just don't go to the gym uh, in general, this is kind of the first time I've not had a meet to prep for, and I've been consistent with my training still. Um, but yeah, man, I, I tell you what, the injuries and stuff, they just, I had uh, probably the strongest I ever was. So I did Worlds in 2016 and got fourth. Um, and then in 2017, I was prepping for a show. It was a, a strongman show and a powerlifting meet in the same day. So strongman was in the morning, and then powerlifting was in the afternoon. <laughs> And uh, the dude that was hosting them is, is actually where I used to train when I was prepping for Worlds back then. And uh, I was like, dude, you think – and they had a weightlifting meet too. I was like, dude, you think I could do all three? And he's like, in the same day? He's like, well, weightlifting's in the morning, so you'd have to pick strongman or weightlifting. But you could do two. So I, I went and did two. And this was probably – this was the strongest I'd ever been. I'd pulled seven in the gym at this point. I'd squatted 630 in the gym. Uh, I'd log pressed 350. Like I was – I was a truck and I was at like 275 um, body weight. And I went in and I did the strongman show, murdered it. It was a really reppy show. Uh, there was one event that was like a deficit deadlift. So like you were standing on some plates, yeah. but it was with an axle. So like fat bar and it was max reps in a minute. I don't remember the weight. It, it was over four, but I don't think it was a bunch over 400, uh, but it was, to win that event, I needed 17 reps. So I got 17 reps, but it was such a low start position, I kind of jacked up my back. Okay. So that's kind of where this whole thing has started. Uh, but I ended up winning the first four events. There was five events, but I didn't have to even do the last one. And then they were, like, calling me up to squat. So I went and did the powerlifting meet, like, right then, too. So I ended up winning them both, which was awesome. Wow. But I ended up getting a back surgery, which was not awesome. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's the other side of the story, right? Yeah. So it's... you could sell this story two ways. You know, you could be like, "You're the guy who won right. two competitions in one day." Leave it I at did. that, right? It's true. I, it's true. But there winning, is. We ended up winning like I don't know, it was like two grand worth of prizes or whatever. Awesome. But then, like, once you pay for a back surgery out of pocket, it's like, meh. Oh no, you had to. <laughs> oh yeah, right. You probably lost. <laughs> yeah yeah you're probably shaking out your piggy bank to pay dude for, right? right yeah um but yeah so that, you always you, you pick up injuries over the years i was that was 2017 so i was like 35 at the time i'm 40 now and uh yeah they just add up and this is just kind of like a re-injuring of the same thing that's kind of always been with me so all right so i mean if that's that might be something that stays with you the rest of your life you might have to eventually wander down new roads find new right. competitions do you is there other things that you would like to compete in what about your uh your mma stuff are you um considering maybe doing that in the future so so i did mma uh from like 2001 to like 2008 like real hard real competitive like it was the thing i did and uh, I was good, but back then no one was good. So, like, it was easy to look good. Uh, I get killed now. I, I don't really have any desire to do ground stuff. I was always more of a stand-up fighter. Yeah. Um, like, I got 
worked up in, in jiu-jitsu, did about three years of jiu-jitsu just to get good enough to stand up so I could, you know, clang and bang again. But um, so I, I was thinking about potentially maybe getting back into like kickboxing or Muay Thai or something like that. Um, but I don't know, man. Then I touch barbells and I'm like, yeah, it's fun to lift too. And I touch yeah. the mace. They do mace competitions. Oh yes, uh, I've I've been to one. Uh, I, it was right when COVID was swinging into town. It was down in right. Florida, Adex. Um, well, it's Mace Fit, Adex Phoenix Strength Games, and I swung. Uh, I did ten and twos for five minutes straight. I I think it was like twenty five pounds. Yeah. Um, and I literally my hands were red, but I also felt like I like my lungs felt like I went running. My legs yep. felt fine. But I literally felt like I was running, like they were tore up. And I I never experienced anything like that. And then it, that's really when it sunk in, that heavy mace swings really do. Is full body. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Is full body. And it's great for so many things. Like if you're uh, coming off of a knee injury, for instance, maybe you can't do much. So you could do swings. And that that's swinging because there's a little bit of a rock going on. There's there's some movement that's translating down the legs that's going to get into the knee. It's just going to be these like slight movements, right? Mm -hmm. That that could, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but it could help in a, in a form of rehab or something like that. Yeah. Just get more blood flow down there and things like that. Right. And I mean, you got all the flows and stuff. I, now I, I personally am like, I have a, you follow dead set kettlebell. Club? Yes. You follow those guys. Yeah. Okay. I have their anti-flow kettlebell club. <laughs> okay. I, not that I think there's anything wrong with flow. I mean, you do you. But, and I think, to me, I think flows with kettlebells are a little cooler. I feel like when people flow with mace and they turn it upside down. Uh, yeah. That's basically zero weight now. Yeah. But right. I know it's weight. I know it's stuff. But, like, I come from a strength background. So it's just hard for my brain to, like, want to get into that piece of it. Yeah. Um, but with the flows and with the different positions and with the different complexes, you know, you're never overloading your legs when you're doing like a barbarian squat or something with like a mace or a club, but you're getting blood flow to yeah. that knee and things like that. So there definitely is some value. Um, I did, because uh, it is five minute or six minute, whatever the swing uh, competition things on mace is where I had my 30 pound and I went uh, 100 swings and I checked the timer. I was at 230. Oh, 110, nice. 110 and twos. So I was like, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I could I could get into that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. Right there. And then, and then, you know, you could bump it up. There's uh 10 minute swings and you know, it's just, you've got to know how to, it's, it's all my, it's like a chess match. It's a little bit of a mind game. Like, well, if I'm going to swing for 10 minutes, I need to change how I, you know, how much weight I'm swinging. You might have to come down a right. little bit, but there's also, as you wouldn't totally know about this, you want to peak at the day of competition. So um, one of the things that I really like is Don from Adex uh, yep. has put all that stuff out. He's been on my podcast to talk about how to train up so that, you know, how to prepare for it so you don't burn yourself out on that, on that day that you're being tested. So this is really cool stuff. It's um, st still evolving. And that, right. that, that's why it's great to have you on to hear your take on it from – you know, a, a straw man or a strength powerlifting point of view because it it applies to everything. Dude, for sure. The other thing I want to play with, and, and like like you said, it's so new to the states, like clubs and steel maces in, in general, that there just isn't 
like I was trying to look for a competition to go to, and then COVID kind of wiped it out. Nothing's mm-hmm. happened since. I think uh, was it Brad Hutchins? Is that yes. right? Yeah. Who was May- Yeah, Brad Hutchins. Yeah, he was running. The- he's he's my hero, dude, because he's doing what I want to do. Like I want to be the hundred pound club swinging dude. Like yes. I want to be that guy. Yes, he he's the first American because apparently I didn't notice when he was working up his weight. He was at 70, then he was at 75, then he was at 80. I'm like, what? when's he going to stop? You know? And then I'm digging around and I'm asking questions like, oh, the people in Spain are going heavy, like 90 pounds. And I'm like, what? So he's like the first American to really attain that level, which, you know, if this becomes a worldwide thing, that's the guy you send. You're, you're Dude, going, Brad. You're, you're swinging exactly. for America. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, I, I feel like at this point, I'm kind of hanging up my gloves a little bit on uh, powerlifting. Maybe not strongman, because powerlifting, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to hit the numbers I hit previously, even once I'm healthy. I'm getting older. I don't want to push up over 300 pounds of body weight again. Like, right. I just don't, for like a 500 whatever bench, I just don't want to do it. Um, so I either need to get to a lower weight class, lift lighter weights, but it's new weights to me at that weight. But that doesn't sound fun at all. Or maybe I'm the dude that presses dual 203 kettlebells yeah, and swings a 100-pound club. You know, I got clubs all the way to 100 pounds. I got, um, like, the normal increments to 45. Then I got a 55 from White Lion. I got a homemade 70, and then I got an 85 and 100 uh, from Great Lakes. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. I could see myself kind of pushing in that way more competitively. But – Right now, Mace competition is just like swings for five minutes. Right. Not like, a, you know, who can get three each side with the hundo, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there's not many people that could do it, I guess. Right. You know? Well, and I feel like if you could get – if you could worm Maces and Clubs into the general strength athlete world, I think you could, right? Because there's dudes right. that, like – I've benched 507 in competition – there's this dude, John Hack, at 198, benching 600 pounds. I bet he could swing a damn club, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, you, and especially if you get into strongman, you could probably throw an event like that in a strongman show and just let people see how they die doing it because that's welcome to strongman. <laughs> right. Now, I, let me ask you this. So in, in a strongman, I don't – I see occasionally somebody with a club or something like that. But are – is this an underutilized tool as far as extremely okay underutilized yeah. what's what's the the thing that's stopping people is it it's just a foreign thing they don't get it they don't want it they're afraid they're going to hurt themselves i don't think it's afraid they're going to hurt themselves or anything i just think no one knows about it really like i can't remember where i first learned about it at all but it was uh oh i was uh i was at my rkc uh certification for kettlebell and one of the instructors, her husband, is like a, a steel mace flow guy. That was my first time ever seeing a mace. Um, and then I found kind of more like the um, Rick Brown. Rick Brown, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I found his stuff, and he's more like not the flow, more like just the hard style, like yeah. build up the strength piece. Um, and that's kind of where I stumbled into everything. And then I found – clubs after that and i was like oh yeah it's like clubs what, if you suck what year was paint. that uh that was the that was this year oh okay so this is all yeah. very new for you yeah okay 
Yeah, I was, and as I mean, you you also used to own a CrossFit gym, correct? Yep. So another thing is, wouldn't you expect to see clubs and mace in CrossFit out of all places? So I listened to that podcast you did with uh, Victor Rouse. Rouse, Rouse, yeah, he's from yeah. China. Yeah, yeah, dude, I love his Instagram page. So oh good. yeah, isn't his shit awesome? Yeah, that, like uh, I watched that dude, stuff. He was. He's totally right. You're missing the whole rotational thing. Um, right. A guy that I follow, um, I've done some of his programming in the past. He he coached. He was a strength conditioning coach and like a professor at Springfield University, which is like if you look at NFL strength and conditioning coaches, it's like thirty percent of them came from there. Right. Like it's a huge number. Um, and he was a professor there, and he coached some of the best strongmen today when they were in college. Uh, Rob Kearney, who's um, been the world's strongest man a number of times um the hodge twins have been like pretty high level strongman pros for a long time and just like so he's put out stuff and he's he's a big exercise physiology guy and one of the big things he talks about is not just like sagittal plane plane work not just bilateral work there's a lot of unilateral he's one of the only people out there in like the not in the athletic performance strength conditioning side that ever talks about rotational things other than people who do like club and, and mace. Wow. So yeah, I think that it's hugely for all strength athletics, that rotational strength is like the piece that never gets touched, but would probably be the biggest piece for injury prevention. Yeah. Yeah. I agree that it's, it's def it's sorely being missed. Mm -hmm. I, I really think, it's a game changer. I think if people could start adding this, your strong man, your power lifter, Olympic lifter, if you can start adding it, even like a, a, just a couple of light um, club exercises, for instance, or you just learn how to do 360s with a mace, you'll slowly start to see the performance of all these athletes just start to come up a little bit more. Or at the very least, you'll see a little less injuries, a little bit mm -hmm. more longevity. Which It'll is take huge. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, even just even just if you could add a few years to your career or a few pounds to your lift. Right. Well, and if you think about it, um, I mean, strength sports and stuff, there's like zero money. Like there's money if you're coaching. There's there's money adjacent to the sport, but there's not money for actually doing it unless right. you're like in strongman and you're top like 10 guys in the world, right? Right, right. And it's not guaranteed pay. It's you have to win to make money. Um but if you if you think about um, rotational strength, stability in awkward positions, super beneficial, I would say, for strongman more than for, like, powerlifting. Because powerlifting, you're bilateral the whole time. There's no really – as long as you're not suffering any weird imbalances, pretty safe. Strongman, everything is weird and awkward. Right. You're having to twist to turn to grab and pick things up and run with them. A lot of unilateral movement. So I think hugely beneficial for there. But then think about dudes like in the NFL, right? You may be jumping over someone trying to dodge a tackle and get hit by, from the side. And you get that weird fold over yeah. that weird, like your hips are facing one way, your shoulders are going to be facing the other way. And if you're talking about, like, I think a big piece of business for steel mace and club training that's out there would be to try to get into you're going to have to start lower at like the high school level but if you can get it to bleed into like if i could say hey you're an nfl player maybe you have a 10-year run how much money do you make okay what if it's a 12-year run how much right. more money do you make like it's 
dumb to not train rotational things at a high level of athletics, especially if it's paying you. Like if you could get the ear of a coach for a team, like a, an NFL coll- collegiate D1 team, yeah. even like really like win state every year kind of high school team to buy in on that. Think of how huge clubs and maces would be. And not just because it's gimmicky and cool, but because, like, from a functional standpoint, how hugely beneficial is another two years on your NFL career? Another two years on your NHL career? Like, especially with hockey, with all, like, the swings and the – or golfers. I have a dude, he was a PGA guy that I trained. He competes strongman now as, like, a lightweight. Um, But, like, he put on about 20 pounds of muscle – and we kept doing swings and stuff through like winter time because he couldn't really go out and hit the ball. Right. And his rotational strength was still good. His shoulder mobility was still good. He's 20 pounds heavier in muscle and his drives are like stupid now. Like he hit so much further because he got bigger and stronger and he kept his rotational strength and his mobility because we're using maces. Yeah. So how old is this guy? Uh, he is like late thirties. He's not actively competing at that level anymore. Uh, but he's a local pro around here. Like he still competes. I mean, to put on 20 pounds of muscle right there, let's just, let's just slow the, stop the presses. That's an amazing event right there. But he didn't sacrifice his rotational abilities. Sometimes you put on 20 pounds of muscle because you're, you're bench pressing, you're doing all this weight, you get stiffer, right? You start to, Mm -hmm. so now you lose rotational, but he keeps his rotational, if not makes it better and adds the weight on. It's like the double whammy effect of that is amazing. And I'm, so I'm very big on like, what is a specific implement ideally built to do and what is it not ideally built to do? So this is kind of where I'm like not a flow guy, right? So like if, you, if you're if you a dude wanting to put on as much muscle and strength as quick as possible, barbells, some bodybuilding work, like that is better. If I'm wanting to get you a bigger squat, doing a goblet squat with a kettlebell is cool, but it is not going to get you a bigger squat compared to throwing a barbell on your back and doing five by five with like 300 pounds, right? Like it's just not. Um, now that being said, if I am trying to make someone faster on the field, I would argue that Olympic lifts, kettlebell swings, kettlebell swings more than Olympic lifts because the learning curve is a lot less, is going to be way more beneficial than teaching someone how to do a heavy deadlift. Like it's just not, there's, we have all these different tools. And I, I, I'm not a fan of how people get in their little tribes of like, I'm a mace guy and that's all I do. Not that that's a bad thing. Because for general health, I think a mace guy and a kettlebell guy probably are better for that specific goal. But if I have a guy like him that wanted to get bigger and stronger but still wanted to be able to swing a club and not look like an idiot, then you got to have mace in there. You got to have the tool that's going to fit that thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's that's really uh, a good insight to that. Um, As far as you said – kettlebell swings are better than deadlifts um how would you feel does that line up the same way with firefighting um so kettlebell swings are better than deadlifts if your goal is increasing power output if your goal is putting on muscle and building total strength i would say probably not right um but for firefighting which is very much like a Firefighter is like a general health goal 
but more badass, right? It's it's almost like strongman training, but longer. It's it's a good CrossFitter, like yeah. a top tier CrossFit guy, is gonna kill it as a firefighter, right? Because yeah. right. they're you're fighting a fire for how many hours, right? You may be running in and out doing stuff. That's like a, you know, if you can go super hard for twenty or thirty minutes straight, baller. Yeah, strongman, it's super hard for sixty to ninety seconds straight. Mm-hmm. Also good, but different, right? different different physical attributes are needed your your five rep max on a push press is going to be more indicative of how you're going to do in an overhead press event strong man than like if you can do you know 10 minutes of mace swinging whereas like if you are you know in and out of the fire carrying and moving stuff all day a 10 minute mace swing session may be more beneficial um so so for that i would say general function a kettlebell swing is going to be more beneficial for a firefighter than a deadlift yeah right and and, and then like yeah sorry plus the risk of injury is so much lower right trap bar deadlifting is my favorite for general population straight bar is good but it puts the weight in front of you which means you have to stay back a little more and once you're tired and you forget to do that that's when you tweak your back right yes right but that's you know that's always uh a thing that me and the guys at the firehouse will talk about with the guys who lift. Um, Cause everybody seems to like the traps bar deadlift. Um, but there is, like you said, there's some differences, but when firefighters get tired, they start doing all kinds of goofy stuff and they're, they're not, they're, they're rounding their backs. They're still wearing their tanks and everything like that. Right. So it's like, yeah, the, the deadlift at the end of the day, whether you pick trap bar or, barbell is going to be good for them up to a certain point but i feel like you like you just hit the nail on the head kettlebell swings will also help give them a little bit more conditioning so mm-hmm. that they don't get tired as soon so they can it's keep gonna, functioning under good it's form gonna build your gas tank it's going to build your hamstrings and glutes which is going to help you carry stuff longer um and it's going to allow you to do things more explosively um the only thing i would say that's maybe like okay maybe this is as good or better would be like sets of five to seven like power cleans right because then you're still getting the explosiveness you're still getting the full body fast which is what builds the conditioning and you're handling a little heavier weight typically for most people but then it's more technical so you got to worry about injury a little bit compared to a kettlebell swing um there's a guy Oh my gosh, he was one of my RKC instructors there. Chris, uh, man, I forget his last name. He's a he's a Chinese medicine doctor out in uh, California, and he coaches one of the. He's the strength conditioning coach for like a uh, private school out there. That's like essentially they win everything every year, um, and he all he has them doing in their strength conditioning program is kettlebell work and Olympic lifts. That's, that's their program. Nice. And those two things make a pretty badass athlete. Now, I don't know if he's ever messed with like maces and clubs and stuff. Uh, but I feel like it would fit in that realm with him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Kettlebells, mace and Olympic lifts. That's awesome. That show is awesome. me, show me someone who's not going to be an explosive badass with good conditioning. If that's their program. Yeah. Like that program makes like a complete athlete. Yes, absolutely. That I would, I would join a gym that if that's all that they have. Like I'm, I'm in. My yeah. Olympic lifts suck though, but I don't do them enough. 
Well, and it's like you can be you can talk like competitive Olympic lifting where it's like, you know, good bar body contact, pulling yourself under the bar, good like that's different than like CrossFit style weightlifting where you're doing the movements. They're not super pretty, but as long as we're doing it in a way we're not going to hurt ourselves, the benefit is like huge on conditioning, full body movements. It's like doing a burpee with a barbell essentially, yeah. right? Like yeah. that's going to get you in good shape. Yeah. That's good stuff. So, Dan, what is your podcast is uh, Meathead Meathead Chatter, right? Meathead Chatter, yeah. Yeah. So I did listen to a couple <laughs> podcast episodes. Uh, one was one of your rants, and um, another one you hit, you were with. Yeah, it was good. Uh, people who rant, uh, they're either good or they're not good, and you're daring to try, and um, uh, you were good. So I recommend. Hey, you know, it. I'll take it. But but what do you between everything that you do on your podcast? What is your um, general tone? What do you a little bit of variety? Talk about some so fun my, stuff. My original thought with the podcast was, and uh, how we came up with the name is like if you're at the gym, hanging out with your bros. Yep. If you're at your gym, you're just hanging out with your buddies, and you are um, between sets, just shooting the shit. What goes on? Um, so you're between sets, you're just shooting the shit with your buddy that you're lifting with. W what are the kind of the conversations that happen? Like, yeah, there's going to be some lifting, but there's going to be some like just random stories, random like how's it going in life, what things are happening. There's going to be a political diatribe here or there. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wanted to capture that in a podcast because I know when I listen to podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and a lot of them are interviews and you learn stuff and that's good. That's like you're building content in your brain. Yeah. There's ones that are like super nerdy, scientific lifty podcasts. And then same thing, like you're, you're just gathering data and building your playbook. And then there's ones where I listen to where you feel like they're your buddies and it's just cause they're just shooting the shit. It's like Seinfeld, right. but a podcast, you know? Right. Um, so I want to kind of like a mix of that. Like we'll get into programming, we'll get into some lifting stuff, but like, we're just, hanging out with our bros and, and talking shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's really good. And I, and I'm glad you hit all those points because I got opinions about all that um, from podcasting myself and what the, the one aspect, you know, where it's kind of like everybody listens because uh, good buddies and all that, that's cool and all, but that is a tough endeavor at, at um, when you're not coming in already as a well-known actor or an author, hey. or where people know you already, they have to get to know your personality kind of quickly. And if they don't, they exit. They don't want to be right. part of the pocket. It's just, well, I'll go listen to some, something else. So it's daring to do it, which I want to point that out to give, you know, anybody listening, if you're experimenting with podcasts, give these people a chance, you know, get, get to know them better. But you guys you know, you do make that pretty um, happen pretty quickly. I, I just dove in on a random – I said, this one looks good because I just started <laughs> listening. And you guys were talking about a little bit about video games and stuff like that, which I'm not really interested in. But I was still cool with it because the banter back and forth was good. Right. So that's well, we're what big, I'm saying. We're big movie guys too. So we jump in on movies quite a bit. We watch a lot of the new ones that come out and stuff and the shows on the – random streaming things but so i think um i've done podcast solo before i've done like interview podcasts previously i had one uh, strength protocol that i ran for a while i think it's still 
on Apple Podcasts somewhere. But um, and there were some good interviews and stuff. But then I did a couple solo shows and they were okay. But eventually, there's like only so much content you feel like getting off your chest, and then three episodes in, you're done, right? Yes, right. Um, and I think even if you're like not a well-known person, if you have like like if you have a buddy that you go out with beer and drink beers with, and you just shoot the shit, and you're there for three hours, and you're like, yeah, that was fucking great that comes across in a podcast. So like co-hosts are good, but co-hosts that's like your homie that you hang out with, it's going to feel natural. And even if you're not well-known people, people listening feel like it's natural. Now they feel like they're the dude over here having beers with you guys too. And just kind of builds like a cool connection. Cause as I was listening to podcasts and thinking about my all time favorite podcasts, they were the ones that were like that. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I just, you know, I have buddies. Let's just hang out and talk smack for an hour. <laughs> yeah, right. And and you hit the nail on the head because uh, it comes off natural. And that's what I think most people are tuning into these podcasts for. They're tired of the typical uh, multimedia, big media shows where it's all right. – contrived and there's egos and personalities on these talk shows and you know the interviewer wants to come off a certain way and right. be, be the man of the subject or and tell his uh guests what's up you know and it just turns into a thing and it's so it just looks like almost like hollywood is just at its finest right there whereas a podcast right. it's like no, these people are real they're gonna say some things that you might not agree with they're not gonna be refined yeah, like real life, like yeah. hanging out at the bar with the guys. And you hang out in real life with people who aren't polished and you have a good time. Like yeah. that's that's right. how it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think especially when COVID came around and like depending on what state you're in, like lock, lockdowns were never really an issue here in Indiana. But I know you're in Jersey, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Pissed me I, off, man. I, I feel like people like lost a lot of that for that whole year. And then if you can find, you know, some sort of virtual solution that feels like that, people are going to be drawn to that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know people are back out and getting with it, but they're still going to remember like, oh, yeah, I hung out I hung out with the, the homies over on uh, Steel Mace Nation. And like, yeah, I'm going to keep listening to that because it was cool. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, don't let me get started on that political tirade. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I caught some of that. That's that. That's what made me feel good. I was like, yeah, it's good to hear people out there just speaking the truth and not afraid to speak it. You know, I get in trouble all the time on my social media because I get a little too honest, and then all of a sudden I lose ten followers, and I'm well, like, so, dude, that's why I have a separate Instagram account because if you strongman underscore Dan on Instagram is my big one, I was having like you know, 500 plus likes, shit ton of comments on my posts. And then about six months ago, I was like, why am I only getting like 10 likes? Mm-hmm. That's weird. But there's like a place you can go on Instagram to see if they're throttling you back. Yeah. Like on Instagram. And it says they weren't throttling me back. I'm like, that's so weird. Did they just change the algorithm that much? I don't believe and then, it. I and think then they're I had throttling a buddy, I had a buddy send me a screenshot because he was going to tag me in something. Like if you try to look me up and you don't type my name exactly, yeah, I won't come up right at all. I noticed um, that. So he screenshotted. He tried to tag me on something that said, "Hey, this person has spread misinformation in the past. Are you sure you want to tag him?" And I'm like, "You can't tell me they're not screwing my account. I have an the new account has like 400 followers, and I get more likes per post right. than my 30,000 follower account." So I'm letting it chill for like another couple of weeks, and I'll probably jump back onto that account, but. 
Yeah. Like you said, I, I, I don't want to get started, but like, yeah, I noticed I get (laughs) way less interaction on my, on my steel mace nation handle. And I'm torn because I don't want to bend the knee to any of it. But at the same time, I'm trying to do a thing. You need to get your message out. Right. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's so frustrating, man. You got to play these, these stupid games, but uh, yeah, that could be maybe a subject for another time. Right. Um, Dude. One thing I want to talk to you about, and we can talk about this off air too. Um, I know Brad was saying he's kind of taking a back seat on getting the mace things going. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to like get out, sponsor some shit, like get some legit competitions going. Cause that's the easiest way to get the word out on this stuff. Um, we should probably look at partnering and doing some stuff here in uh, 2023. Okay. I didn't know you were uh, talking to him because it's so funny. I, he kind of fell off my, like, I just, he wasn't popping up on Instagram, not for what reasons we were talking about. So I just said, where is he? And he kind of changed his, his handle too. He's just Brad now. Yeah, and I, like I hit him up or Brad H or something like that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, okay, he's still swinging. I haven't seen any shit. And then I, I DM'd him and, and I was like, where, where you been, bro? You know? And he's like, well, you know, I'm just kind of chilling out a little bit. You know, he I didn't know if he was being aloof. I didn't want to be too right, you know, on the pressure, but I guess he just decided uh with all the craziness, he just wants to kind of hang back a little bit. Right. And the the impression I messaged him and then I emailed him. We we chatted briefly, so a lot of this is me just extrapolating what I think happens. He was basically trying to get that going solo, like it. Yes. And it is hard to build like Essentially, he's trying to build a sport, right? Yes, just him. No, there's other people involved. There's, but like when I saw him, when I went to the first competition, I didn't take part in it, but I watched him because he was working like a dog, and this was a professional setup. He Mm -hmm. pulled it off. It was uh, down in North Carolina, right on the uh, maybe it was in Virginia. I can't remember right now, but. Uh, people showed up. It was good. Um, then the other event that I went to was the one I competed in was, was in Florida. So, um, he's, he's hitched in with Adex and Mace Fit and Vintage Strength Games. Vintage yep. Strength Games is Valerie Polkowski, who's in New Jersey. She's a okay. kettlebell, uh, champion, um, kettlebell sport champion. Yep. Um, so she's into clubs and all that. So that was like, that was their little thing. Um, then I started getting into it and I came into it more just as Steel Mace Nation as, uh, you know, um, just basically doing the news for them. Like, Hey, come on my podcast. Let's, let's spread the word. That's the only involvement I had or to compete that one time. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people involved in it and it, it, they even did a competition, a virtual competition during COVID, which they reported did pretty well. Yeah. So going back to what you were originally saying, any, yeah, it, they would love to hear what you have to say about it. I want to get tied in. And I, cause I, I know they have like the, for time, cause it basically, you could tell it kind of came from kettlebell sport. Yes. Because it's like time, longer time domain, lots of reps. Like, I'm like, let's have like a couple different events. Like, let's have that going. Let's have who can, you know, swing the heaviest shit. Like, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's make a party, baby. Like, let's get some some other stuff going, too. Like, I feel like even like a like a shorter, like 100 swings 
quickest time possible, dovetailed in with like some sandbag carries, like almost strongman flavor, but with clubs and stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think there could be some cool stuff we get rolling with some crossover. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and like we were talking uh, about the heavy swings and maybe you can't get <laughs> enough people initially to actually have a, a true competition, but you could have it as a highlight. Like you get yep. you and, and Brad uh, just go head to head swinging something heavy. Right. It's not yeah. really yeah. <laughs> it's not really true competition. It's more of a highlight. Right. Fishing type thing. Yeah. But just as just to get, you know, hey, I swung a little bit heavier than you a high five and the story, but to introduce it to the community. And get people thinking, oh, that could be a thing. They were even knocking around the idea of, of adding, adding flow. I, but that, okay. But now how would you do that? So Dude, there's like, a well, market to that. Do it like you would do um, in the Olympics when they have ice skating, like um, right. figure yep. skating, right? You, you have judges and you grade it on, on performance based upon a certain look and everything like that. Right. That could be a thing. It could be a thing. Yeah. I just think there's – it's such a – it's so new – that it has so much untapped potential. Yes. Um, but there's there's got to be a way to focus in and, and get a little crossover from some other strength sports too to get some buy-in from people who are already into that stuff. Right. But then the other thing that's cool that you were talking about with uh, Victor is that you get a lot of people that have never lifted that want to get in shape and see clubs and maces and think, cool, they see barbells and they're like, eh. Right. Um, so I don't know, man. Just – just some thoughts. We'll have to brainstorm it and do something. We'll do like, uh, you know, should do ADEX. We should get on the phone with Don and yeah. we should help him sponsor a booth at the damn Arnold and let's slang some maces. Yeah. Have like, yeah. cause you have like a demo section there and you can be selling maces and stuff or. Right. That you just don't know, get man. it like, out there. Arnold is the best way to get your name out there on that stuff. Like it just is. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think really the 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 cornerstone of it would be strongmen, heavy lifters, guys like you. I think that that's really what would make it branch out into these other modalities. I don't, I mean, flow is cool, but I feel like flow would be better off at a show where, like, a martial arts show. Yes, dude. More like yeah, a kata so and display kata. it as a kata, and now you get that crowd in. Which is a whole other angle, but I I don't think you could go to the Arnold and take a ten pound mace and do a bunch of flow and and get people to buy in. It just you know I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just trying to it, it be realistic. It is a demographic it. there. Yeah, so you got to move in some weight, the way and you got to be think. doing it in a simple enough way that they can get their head around how they would try to do it. Yeah, right. So yeah. there you go. So yeah, we could talk about that, man. That's that'll that'll be good. We got to stay in touch. Um, and other than that, I, I think you got to get going pretty soon. So I yeah. just want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you, how they could train with you. I know you do remote, you do personal coaching. Uh, so give out your information, how to get in touch with Dan Mason, the meathead chatter podcaster guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, probably best way to get me right now is um, strongman underscore Dan on Instagram or uh, Ironhide Combat on Instagram. Um, most thing about playing with some more board breaking competitively because that shit's fun too. But. I, I, I didn't even ask you about that. That's that was on the top of my. Oh, dude, my you're tongue. good. You're I good. saw you busted some boards. I'm like, all right, this guy's freaking breaking boards and lifting <laughs> in intense weight. All right, what? what I told you, I don't know what I want to compete in. So like, I'm just trying everything right now. 
<laughs> All right. So do you um, do you offer uh, training in MMA stuff or no? You, that's just for your own. Um, so in person, I do some self-defense stuff. Okay. Uh, All right. I don't know how I would do that online in an effective way. But, yeah, yeah if you're in Lafayette, Indiana, so kind of like central Indiana, hit me up. We can get together and, and do some stuff. But uh, and how do you that's do more remote? just an old fun thing. And how do you do? How do you train remotely? Are you doing Zoom calls or? Um, um, so I do um, programming, kind of based on their feedback and what they're trying to do. Um, they can submit as many videos as they want to me. You have my cell phone. I text back and forth. I'm always my phone's always right next to me, so I'll be hitting people up almost before they're on their next set. Sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm super reachable. Anyone's welcome to, to call me whenever if they're a client. I don't run like 100 clients because I do in person, which does like pretty good amount of money. Yeah. So I don't need to run 100 clients to like make money. Right, right. Uh, but I'm always open to more remote coaching because I can do that on my own schedule and stuff too, especially. And if somebody doesn't actually want to work with you directly like that, you also have, uh, what, about four programs that they could buy? Yeah, off so I just launched uh, an app month or two ago uh it's 30 bucks a month uh, there's four programs on there i will be updating the programs as i see people kind of getting through it right now it's mostly powerlifting, general muscle building kind of stuff um, just because i'm newer to the maces and stuff so i wasn't quite sure how to plug it in there i am going to get a uh pass your rkc level one certification program up there as well for kettlebell Oh, really? Okay. Because there's a couple things you have to be able to do in order to get past there. One of them is uh, 100 kettlebell snatches in five minutes. I think, I think that's right, yeah. yeah. 100, or maybe it's 100 each side in five minutes. I don't know. It's a pain in the ass. You're really tired when you're done. But right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back and look at it. But, yeah, I definitely have that program already written out. I just haven't put it in the app yet. But, yeah, that's going to be your cheapest way. Um, but if you want individual feedback and stuff, then hit me up on Instagram. Yeah, right. So that's good. So you, so people have those options at their fingertips. You could either buy one of his programs and uh, hit them up and get some personal online training, you know, you know, remotely. And then, of course, if you live in Indiana, just go see the guy himself. Yeah, road of, trip. Hang out at my yeah, gym, man. Yeah, go go uh, learn some stuff. And uh, you have definitely a, a – a proven track record in everything that you do. So, I mean, you know how to train people for competition, then you definitely know how to train them for regular life. So yep. it's, all, you know, what modality you pick is up to you. I mean, you could do anything as long as you're doing something to stay in shape, go for a walk, do something, right. get up off the couch, get motivated. Um, let's listen to some meathead chatter, you know, get motivated that way. So it all sounds good, Dan. I appreciate you coming on and uh, shooting the shit, and we're going to stay in touch. And anytime you want to come back on and uh, talk about your mace training and share any tips or anything like that, that's what this yeah. podcast is for. It would be most appreciated. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was a great show. Uh, people should definitely try that 10,000 Swings Challenge. It is a month of your life. Just do it. <laughs> if you puss out halfway through, you puss out halfway through. But try it, you know? Yeah. A month of your life, and either uh, you will forget it forever, or it'll build something out of you. Well, and which... you'll get really good at three sixties and ten and twos, which is the cornerstone of like all your mace work. So, right. why not? You heard Dan, guys, do it. All right, Dan, I appreciate it. 
We'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Steel Mace Nation podcast. Later. Later.